Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast will dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So welcome back, everyone. I know it probably seems like we've had such a short week um, before we turned around and had another show. Well, in fact, we did. So we had a show on Wednesday and then now today because this is a holiday week. Um, and so we we will um, have our show tonight and uh, a lot of people will probably be traveling early towards the end of the week. Um, and so I'm delighted that tonight's guest agreed to come on in the middle of uh, semesters ending and, and all kinds of uh, things going on. Um, and then we'll be back actually after the new year. But tonight, um, I have with me someone who is a researcher at the Neuro Leadership Institute. So I'm excited because as you probably, those of you who've been with me for a while, you've seen a number of neurobiologists, neurosociologists, and so, so forth, neuropsychologists uh, have been on the show, and tonight is no exception um, in, in terms of the, the area, but also the expertise. So I'm excited to uh, introduce to you uh, Dr. Emma Saro. Uh, welcome, Emma. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. So excited to be here. Well, so glad to have you. And so um, Emma does a lot of really fascinating work. I'm going to have her tell us a little bit about it. But um, her background uh, is in neuroscience. And so um, with as, as fascinating as it is for me, um, I am I'm just trying. I'm always trying to find out more and do a lot of different things to to improve myself, both as a leader, both personally and professionally. So so tell us a little bit, um, uh, Emma, about the work you're doing and even kind of uh, some work that you've done, but especially what you're up to now at the Neuro Leadership Institute. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, so excited to be here. I, I love talking about, um, you know, I love talking about the brain, obviously. I've been studying it for years, but I love talking about it in a way that can, um, that can help people in their everyday life. So not just, you know, in, in the general facts that they know, but how they can apply it to their, to their world, whether it's at work or at home or anything like that. Um, but so for the past um, about a year and a half, I've been at the Neural Leadership Institute and it's very different from what I've done in the past. Here I'm, I'm still working as a neuroscientist, but I'm more in, in the realm of synthesizing all of the amazing work in academia in a way that mm. works for people in the workplace. So all of the new stuff, how can we apply it to allow us to innovate better? How can we apply it to allow us to have better conversations, to um, have better ideas, to, you know, learn faster and, like, produce more? All of those things that we want to do um, in the workplace as well. Mm-hmm. And and so um, what what are some of the – are you – is it, is it uh, research from the standpoint of, like, clinical research or or is it looking at what other people have discovered and, and mm-hmm. actually making the application? 
Yeah, yeah. So it's really about translating it. So I've done, uh, I have done before this, um, you know, years of work in the lab, but and which was great. Um, but finding this position allowed me to kind of take all of the stuff that the labs in academia were producing and then translating them in a way that works for people. So, mm-hmm. you know, what we'll be talking about today is this idea of mindset um, shifts and how mm-hmm. people can use this to um, innovate, to change. I mean, we've seen in the last few years that we've needed to change significantly and respond to the environment in different ways. And I think um, what we're learning from academia can be, you know, translated in a way that um, everyone can kind of understand and work with. Ah, excellent. Well, I, I love that. So you take the research and then mm-hmm. find out ways that people can use it. Um, that's, yeah. I mean, and very much needed in a lot of different mm-hmm. areas, but I love it about this. I wish you could see my um, my my uh, bookshelf because I have <laughs> a lot of books that are not um, kind of the hard science of, you know, uh, mm-hmm. brain science, but the, here's what this means kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I want to jump right in and, and tell you, you know, um, when the reason I wanted you to come on is because, you know, since I've been reading so much about neuroplasticity and that, you know, it, it's just started to make mm-hmm. so much more sense to me when, mm-hmm. when people are saying things like, and we've heard this throughout our lives, all you have to do is tell yourself and it'll be true. And I think a lot of that is rooted in kind of positive psychology, even though people mm-hmm. may not think of it as that, but just, you know, um, um, articulating it and then mm-hmm. it manifests itself. Um, but mm-hmm. what it's, it's like some people take that to be hocus pocus uh, stuff when mm-hmm. I think it really has some really solid grounding in neuroscience. Mm-hmm. So if as we understand uh, neuroplasticity, um, I'll give you an example that I that, you know, that I just applied recently is that so Mm -hmm. I travel uh, quite a bit, but I was overseas and I, you know, there were things that uh, they put in front of me to eat. And I kind of cringed and I said, do I have to, I, I mean, like in my mind, I said, do I have to eat this because of the way it looked? And then I mm-hmm. told myself, because of all the things that I've been reading is that this is how some other people feel when they are, mm-hmm. um, they are, are facing something that is uncomfortable, that's not yeah. um, within. And so do it. And then, and yeah. then you train your brain each time. So I, I convinced myself mm-hmm. that the next time it's going to be even easier to try something <laughs> that's outside of your uh, comfort zone. And believe it right. or not, I kept doing that the entire trip. I kept, okay, mm-hmm. I wouldn't ordinarily eat this, but, and look at the way it looks, <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyway. But, but to my point, yeah. the, to my surprise, the very first thing that I did, and I was, and I really cringed. It it was delicious, and I yeah. never would have thought it because of the way it looked. Mm-hmm. And yep. and so, but going back to kind of the neuroscience in this was that mm-hmm. I, it really got easier as you know, kind of the week went along. Mm-hmm. I just was trying any and everything, and I wasn't. I didn't feel the same 
hesitation as that initial time. So I'm going to, so oh, yeah. as an example, my personal, but I made mm-hmm, a decision mm-hmm. to do that, you know, to get mm-hmm. over that. So it, so now I want yeah. you to take that and, and let's talk about it from a brain perspective. Well, it makes so much sense. I mean, there's so much that I want to say about that, but it, it makes, I mean, I, I feel like what you were doing is you were, you were shifting your mindset to explore something outside your normal bounds. And, and we naturally avoid that. I mean, our natural state is to be comfortable. And we, when we start feeling uncomfortable, we try to avoid that. It's, it's what we've evolved to do. It's what most likely has we've evolved to stay safe because we've mm-hmm. avoided something that was uncomfortable, that feeling of uncomfortableness, the sweaty palms or the butterflies in your stomach. Mm-hmm. You avoid those things. But, mm-hmm. but it's also true that when you do those things that are stressful, that maybe that trigger that stress response, you end up having these great um, outcomes. Like you tasted mm. this new food and now you have a whole new boundary that you've extended yeah. or you've had some new idea that changed the way your organization um, functions now. And the only yeah. way to get there is to be uncomfortable. Um, but it's just, it's interesting because we do naturally avoid that and it does need to be kind of shifted. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it, you know, I, I, my own personal, uh, where, where I kind of came from and where I was thinking about this is just in terms of how we can take what we see, let's say, in the athlete world. We see these individuals breaking all sorts of records and being mm-hmm. able to continually improve. How are they doing this? I mean, so when you think about them in, in practice, let's say, they're, they're entering practice and they know they'll be uncomfortable there. They know it's going to hurt, that practice is, but somehow they continually show up. They know that for a few hours of the day, their muscles will hurt, but they know also that I have to embrace this pain because it's the only way that I'll improve and I'll be mm-hmm. able to compete. And so mm-hmm. why can't we take that same concept into the workplace or into your life, into everything mm-hmm. that you do? So taking being uncomfortable, if you embrace it in a way of, you know, what can I learn from this or what will I gain from this as opposed to, you know, my stomach feels uncomfortable, I, I want to avoid this situation, then I think you can – potentially see some great outcomes. You can potentially break some kind of record for yourself and your organization or with your team or whatever it is, because you're doing something that is not, not the status quo of what you're doing. Um, And I think that's the only way to see real change is to be uncomfortable. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's interesting that our brain does that. And we, we generally just default to a state of safety. And yeah. when we yeah. feel uncertainty, it's kind of like a threat that we're trying to avoid. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I read somewhere that it's kind of it's, it's like this: your your brain knows what you survived yesterday and the day mm-hmm. before and last week, and so when mm-hmm. you try to introduce something new, your brain goes, "Wait, we didn't do that before." And Uh so it's trying to, it's saying for preservation sake, I don't know what the outcome of that is going to be. So Uh let's not do that. Let's not, let's not take the chance. So, and, and so, but likewise, um, you know, and I I can definitely see how that pays off when you like, you're talking about sports or you're talking about Uh um, exercising, but the one area I'd love to hear your thoughts about is about some of the things you've said about helping you to be more creative, more innovative, mm-hmm. um, making mm-hmm. your vi- environments more healthy. And so because I know that I, you know, I have 
uh, responsibility for a certain number of staff at my university. And we, mm-hmm. you know, we have our team meetings and sometimes it's up to me to make a decision. Do we go in one direction or another that might be um, suggested? And I quite mm-hmm. honestly, sometimes I'll say, okay. And I, I just articulate, okay, this makes me uncomfortable, but okay, mm-hmm. let's try it. Now, it, of course it's calculated mm-hmm. risk. It's like, Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But my my strong desire is to get something that I wouldn't have necessarily thought of. So we yeah. and we've ended up doing some things that like, wow, I wouldn't have done it that way. But hey, it really <laughs> turned out well, right? Like, and I was like, yeah. okay, so I'm glad mm-hmm. we did it. But so so tell me a little bit about how, mm-hmm. though, I guess maybe what you were saying is that organizationally you're more innovative, but does it make individuals that are that are feeling uncomfortable, does it, mm-hmm. how does it, I guess I'll say, make you more innovative, creative, and so forth? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the first step is, is I think what you're doing is absolutely right, is you're, you're acknowledging that it feels uncomfortable. I mean, that's, that's actually one of the techniques to kind of, kind of turn the situation around in that mm-hmm. you're not focusing on that uncomfortable feeling, you're labeling it. And that actually in the brain, what that does is it, it allows you to engage this, this much more executive control area. You're not mm. being like hindered or held back by this like threat response that makes you just want to shut down and avoid it. You're, you're labeling it as, as something that is there. And then it almost allows you to um, use the parts of the brain that allow you to control your behavior again and focus mm-hmm. on the task and move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it changes the perspective. So you're saying, well, this is uncomfortable. How does this align with my goal? Um, you're, you're kind of forcing yourself to make sure that it's still, that this action is going to have an outcome. You're going to learn from it. And, and maybe if you make mistakes, you're going to learn from those mistakes. It allows you, it almost allows you to make mistakes. And, mm-hmm. you know, this research that I was kind of diving into when writing this article that you're talking about is, is not just even like the idea of saying, well, this feeling, this uncomfortable feeling is important, it's fuel, but also you're kind of combining this with the idea that um, everyone can grow and improve and that mm-hmm. as we grow and improve this growth mindset, as we grow and improve, um, there will be mistakes, but those mistakes are things that we can learn from. It's not something that works against you. It's actually part of the process. Mm. And so even when you're making decisions for your team and you have these, you lay out the potential risks, let's say you're making an educated, um, it's like an educated risk, let's say, but you know that with that risk, there is the potential of making a mistake. You mm-hmm. lay out the potential like obstacle and how you're going to face it when you do make that mistake. Mm-hmm. And that almost makes it okay as opposed mm-hmm. to a surprise. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it like setting yourself up to being like that you weren't ready for. So it kind of forces you to embrace the discomfort, but then set yourself up to use whatever mistakes that come your way along mm-hmm. the process as, as something to learn from, as opposed to being like stuck behind them. And I think we all yeah. found that in the last few years is, you know, how do we work in new ways and how do we, you know, we, we know that now we can be faced with something that's un, um, unpredictable oh, yeah. or you know, yeah. out of the balloon. We have to, we have to switch really fast, but I think mm-hmm. we've all seen that we can. And so maybe the lesson we learned from this is we know that we can adapt um, and we can, we can adapt in a way that can make us more innovative. 
And so sure. there are great examples of innovation that have come out of this. And, mm-hmm. and maybe using those as kind of like the motivation that we can do things like this. And if, and if you didn't change, then you were left behind in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think about, so from my perspective as a leader, um, I am mm-hmm. intentionally kind of intentionally and deliberately uh, doing those things because I'm reading about uh, the benefit mm-hmm. and yeah. I am. And at times I try to communicate that to members of my team, like, okay, so, mm-hmm. and, and the example I gave you about what I read when, and, and just even in day to day, when people express discomfort, I say, so let mm-hmm. me tell you about how, what's going on with you right now. Your what's happening with your brain, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. stop and, yeah. and say, so what's important, you know, what's important from a leadership perspective is to actually know those things. So that's mm-hmm. actually helped me a lot, just knowing mm-hmm. what is happening and then being able to relay that or, you know, make sure other people have the same information I do. Um, Absolutely. Now, so are there any ways in which you know, so I'm saying as a leader, I'm leader. doing that. Mm-hmm. But what about what about yeah. advice to members of a team when when yeah. they're playing their roles and then you know they start like as a team member, you're yeah. feeling uncomfortable. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think I think as a leader, one of the things that you're doing is you're role modeling this for them. So so individuals on a team seeing their leader role model these kinds of mindsets and saying these things out loud is one of the first steps. So individuals on a team are are hugely moved by like influencers within their organization or their leader, Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. just starting to like talk, talk to themselves through this this mindset. So instead of saying things like you know, like, I don't want to do this. I don't even know how to do this process to, I'm going to, I don't know how to do this process yet, but I'm going to learn it. So starting to change the way they talk to themselves about things mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, this is going to be painful. I'm going to, I'm going to be nervous standing in front of this, this crowd talking to them to um, this is a challenge that is going to help my career or, mm-hmm. you know, this is going to help my team. Um, so maybe engaging in dialogue with yourself that um, starts to, to kind of tell yourself um, a different story about the experience. And this is part of what this mindset shift and, and this intervention that I was kind of reading about with the, the mindset shift, how, what they did is they, they kind of changed the dialogue that individuals were telling themselves. Mm. Um, and the more that you do that, the more that your brain starts to believe it, in fact. Mm-hmm. And, and if it works, then you start to kind of, and by working, I mean, you know, you start to engage in the behavior and you see, oh, you know, I, I was uncomfortable, but I actually made improvements on this project or I was mm-hmm. uncomfortable, but like the conversation went well in the end, you know, it was a difficult mm-hmm. conversation and I didn't avoid it. And now I feel a lot better afterwards. It's yeah. almost like a reward that you're getting. So you're getting yeah. kind of like rewarded for it and then you're more likely to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, there's so many things that and this this is understated, though. I mean, I, someone <laughs> might say, duh, this is like that's obvious. But there's so many things where your brain is involved. And so, <laughs> you know, I don't mean from the standard. Oh, yeah, of course, your brain is involved. You're standing there. You're looking at something or you're talking. Yeah, your brain is involved. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking a little <laughs> deeper than that. I'm talking about. <laughs> where where 
I, I go back to thinking about when you tell yourself I can do it there, whether it is, I think about how um, when I was first learning to play golf, I had to um, almost, I, I say, trick myself um, into mm-hmm. like focusing. Um, so mm-hmm. that's all about like blocking things out. Your brain is involved, mm-hmm. but especially oh, when you, when you have to stand up and tell yourself, here's what I'm about to do with this. Like I'm about to mm-hmm. do X or Y. And mm-hmm. so yep. those are all ways that when, and I don't know if like these old adages um, were based in what people really understood about the brain, but I think they knew that there was something to it yeah. to say. So I, I don't, I don't kind of uh, uh, subscribe to a lot of it in, in a deep way, but when you hear things like fake it till you make it, or yeah. or te- yeah. whatever your mind can conceive, mm-hmm. you can achieve. That th- <laughs> there's a there's at least True. an ounce of truth, <laughs> right? Absolutely. There's an ounce of Absolutely. truth in that. I mean, it's true. I mean, researchers have shown this that when individuals do tell themselves certain things, like this is why mantras, for instance, work in oh, in yeah. people that are trying to kind of like go through pain or go through something yeah. difficult. Yeah. It's it's kind of an emotional regulation strategy, and it really enables your brain to kind of shut off that part of the brain that limits you, that mm-hmm. like that limits you in the face of an obstacle. So we're mm-hmm. all so sensitive to threats and things like that. And they, what they do is they keep us alive, but they keep us from doing anything really. Yeah. So in yeah. the world where you need to progress forward and face an obstacle, you do need to shut that part of your brain off. And sometimes it is by talking yourself through it and yeah. convincing yourself that you can do this, or I'm going to, you know, like say that I'm going to say this thing to this group of people and we're going to make a change in this way. So it is, mm-hmm. it is about kind of like planning for that challenge and it just, it kind of shuts off your brain's like threat response, mm-hmm. which is really limiting in the face mm-hmm. of obstacles. Mm-hmm. And, and so is that, um, that threat response, that fear response, mm-hmm. is that part of what you're talking about is it is it almost reconditioning i know we we've talked about yeah. kind of mind shift um yeah so tell me a little bit about so the what you think about that is it kind of are we actually conditioning ourselves or reconditioning yeah. ourselves when when that happens yeah in a way we are i mean it is all leading back to this you you are like enforcing this like change in the way your brain responds to the environment so you talked about like neuroplasticity and things like that you're kind of you're allowing yourself to change the way you respond to this is like a new piece of food and you know in the past I would have avoided it but now that I've had these experiences where it's worked out then I'm more likely to do it again because you've kind of conditioned yourself that it's okay and it's the same thing with approaching difficult conversations or making decisions for your team. Um, once you start seeing that this, that you can break these boundaries and it's okay. And even if you make a mistake, your team works through it or you work through it and you, and you focus on instead of, Oh, I made a mistake. I must suck at this thing. It's oh, I messed up on this thing, but I can learn from it. And the next time this is how I do it. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, it's a totally different mindset when you're thinking yeah. about it like that. Yeah. So, um, so as I, I started out, 
I'm telling you about the experience I had where, mm-hmm. um, you know, people, they put something in front of me and it actually was just, um, it was a vegetarian dish with a, um, but it looked, it had a leaf and a flower. And I'm like, <laughs> I, why would I want to eat a flower? But, but anyway, it tastes good. So then that, so I started kind of playing with my brain. So as I told you, mm-hmm. I went through the week and I was just saying, okay, I wouldn't eat this, but I'm gonna try it. So I'm going to confess mm-hmm. to you that one of the things that what I did, but I did this intentionally to experience the actual anticipation fear and to see how much it would build. Because the, mm-hmm. I, I, I always say to myself that I'm constantly putting people in situations where I say, trust me, it's going to be okay. Or that <laughs> it can't, it's not going to be that bad. But at a certain point, you know, especially mm-hmm. when you've been in leadership roles, you don't really get those experiences anymore. You know, you don't get mm-hmm. where, because you're, you're the one doing it to people. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. um, and so um, what I did was I said, once I started to feel differently about, um, you know, taking those risks and it seems like it, they were, they weren't as, as difficult. I said to myself, okay, um, I was in a culture where certain insects were um, snacks. <laughs> and so I told my, so at the beginning, so I'm going to say I had about four days left and I said, okay, I'm, this is another <laughs> experiment I'm going to do on myself. So the day, I, the day that I'm supposed to leave, I'm going to try one of these insects. But I did that mm-hmm. because I know sometimes people have to look forward to something I've said is going to happen, and they may view uh, it as yeah. unpleasant, as uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to mm-hmm. see what that felt like again so that, that I could, so that I could empathize with them. And so my question to you as a strategy for leaders, because I want to see if there's Mm -hmm. neuroscience behind it, but it was just Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. But do you think that's a good strategy for leaders to put themselves through? Like, like, you know, what I wanted to know was, I want to know what this feels like. So when I'm telling people that this is going to happen to you, that I, Mm -hmm. I, I can truly empathize that I know how you're feeling right now and when you oh, are framed yeah. or when you, you know, so I, I want to know, is that, is that yeah. something that leaders should do? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think um, oftentimes leaders lose, lose the perspective of what, what um, those people on their team are feeling. And so that mm-hmm. like the feeling that in the anticipation, that building anticipation of some event, whether it's like whatever, a presentation or whatever it is, um, that builds over time. And the individual experiencing it is going to build all sorts of scenarios around being nervous or what could go wrong. I mean, that's just the natural way our brain works. And I think as a leader, being able to take time to practice empathizing and, and just trying to gain some perspective of what their employees are going through or what their, their teammates are going through um, or their team is going through is, is critical. And I think what we've seen in some of our research is that um, as individuals are at different levels of power, their perspective 
changes completely from, you know, visualizing the perspectives of the individuals that are on their team versus the overall goal of the team mm. and maybe mm-hmm. losing focus of what the individuals are going through. So I think that's what we often tell leaders, too, is that um, being able to switch those perspectives and not just thinking about, you know, the, you know, the, the overall long-term goal and the vision, but also to be at the level of the employees and, and to understand what they're going through. So experiencing mm-hmm. yourself is the best way to develop some kind of like mental map of what is, yeah. Yeah. what, and including the emotions that are also involved. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Well, so look, I know we're, we're actually almost out of time and I want to give wow. an opportunity for you to, um, you know, I, you know, there are places that I've seen your your work and and your articles, um, and I've just been fascinated by the work that you're doing. And I'm I'm actually going to look more into what at what comes out of the Neuro Leadership Institute um, because I'm sure it would certainly be applicable to the work that I do. Um, but totally. are there places where um, people who might be listening in could? find some of your work or you have books or anything you want to point them, especially like social media handles or anything like that, um, where they might find you and the work you're doing. Oh yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn as Emma, um, but also I know the neural leadership Institute does put out a lot of blogs on the work we're doing from a perspective of a leader, or just any individual who's, you know, can apply this stuff to their life or to their workplace or whatever. So um, definitely find me on LinkedIn and the Neural Leadership Institute. That website has a bunch of our, you know, our blog posts and stuff like that that we have out. Awesome. Thank you so much. And um, I'm I'm fascinated. So I I want you to know I'm going to be listening in and watching and looking for your <laughs> for the work that you're doing. Um, and certainly this really almost what I try to think of is is like you're distilling the work down for for the non brainy people like me that <laughs> we can understand it. Um, so I appreciate that work that you're doing and, um, um, I know you're in New York, so, um, who, mm-hmm. who, yep. yep. So who knows our paths may cross in the city, Absolutely. Um, but until, yeah. until then, uh, wishing you well, um, go well, stay well. Thank you so much. This is so much fun. Thanks a lot.